Section two of Mrs. Piozzi's Thraliana by Charles Hughes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. At the end of the second volume of Thraliana, we have a description of Mrs. Thrale's own person and mind, of which I quote the latter. Quote, the character of the mind is, however, almost wholly Italian. Footnote, this was written before she was acquainted with Piozzi. End footnote. Or rather Welsh, perhaps, for her temper is warm even to irascibility, affectionate and tender, but claiming such returns to her tenderness and affection as busy people have no time to pay and coarse people have no pleasure in paying. She is a diligent and active friend who spares neither money nor pains to oblige, but is soon disgusted if the person obliged does not express the sense of obligation by nature a rancorous and revengeful enemy but having conquered that quality by god's grace she is now apt really and bona fide to forget when and how she was offended at the beginning of volume three on the nineteenth of may seventeen seventy eight she mentions that the black letter title thraliana is written by sophie stretfield but as very full extracts about that fair lady and her flirtations were furnished by mr salisbury to haywood and printed by him they shall not be quoted here it is curious however that she never mentions s s s strange gift of being able to weep real tears at the word of command as a sort of accomplishment which furnishes Miss Burney with a lifelike descriptive passage. Here follows a most remarkable tabular character sketch of the Society of Streatham, based on a system of marks for different qualities, twenty being full marks. Quote, Johnson. Religion, twenty. Morality, twenty. Scholarship, nineteen. General knowledge, twenty. Person and voice, zero manners zero wit fifteen humour fifteen good humour zero murphy religion one morality four scholarship fifteen general knowledge six person and voice thirteen manners fifteen wit seventeen humour fifteen good humour fifteen dr burney Religion, 18, Morality, 18, Scholarship, 8, General Knowledge, 15, Person and Voice, 13, Manners, 16, Wit, 0, Humour, 3, Good Humour, 19. Garrick. Religion, 10, Morality, 15, Scholarship, 3, General Knowledge, 16, Person and voice, 18, manners, 17, wit, 19, humour, 19, good humour, 0. Seward, religion, 0, morality, 17, scholarship, 12, general knowledge, 14, person and voice, 9, manners, 10, wit, 18, humour, zero good humour zero boswell religion 
five morality five scholarship five general knowledge ten person and voice ten manners eight wit seven humour three good humour nineteen bodens religion zero morality zero scholarship zero general knowledge ten person and voice six manners fifteen wit fifteen humour fifteen good humour fifteen thrale religion eighteen morality seventeen scholarship nine general knowledge nine person and voice eighteen manners seventeen wit zero humour zero good humour zero burke religion sixteen morality ten scholarship fourteen general knowledge nineteen person and voice twelve manners fourteen wit zero humour zero good humour zero sir john laid religion zero morality zero scholarship zero general knowledge five person and voice ten manners nine wit zero humour zero good humour zero baretti religion zero morality six scholarship six general knowledge seventeen person and voice four manners six wit zero humour five good humour zero dr beatty religion eighteen morality eighteen scholarship eleven general knowledge seven person and voice seven manners six wit zero humour zero good humour zero james harris religion zero morality ten scholarship twenty general knowledge ten person and voice five manners three wit zero humour zero good humour zero langton religion eighteen morality eighteen scholarship seventeen general knowledge six person and voice five wit zero humour zero good humour zero cator religion zero morality zero scholarship zero general knowledge thirteen person and voice three manners zero wit zero humour zero good humour zero End quote. 
contains a great deal in a small space the celebrity of some of the persons and the fact that the marks were given by a keen-witted woman who knew them all intimately gives it a quite unique interest some of the names in thraliana are not given here among others sir joshua reynolds the reason that sir joshua's character is not quoted is that in his case the columns of religion and morality are left blank this means that as to the religion and morality of the president of the royal academy mrs thrale had not been able to make up her mind it is clear that she did not like him very much so that her agnosticism as to his religion and morality may be taken as want of sympathy Quote, by good humour is meant only the good humour necessary to conversation End quote. mrs thrale evidently meant that combination of good humour and good temper which enables people to stand argument contradiction and chaff without irritation or resentment there is another elaborate table which i do not reproduce about the lady visitors to streatham but the headings are different mrs thrale remarks quote, they must possess virtue in the contracted sense or one would not keep em company End quote. one of these virtuous dames however she suspects of having had an illegitimate child she gives several remarkable tales of dreams and warnings which she had heard of from others and one that happened to herself is striking and impressive though it is impossible to avoid the criticism that it is not entered in thraliana till more than two years after the event Quote, when i myself was at lille in flanders in the year seventeen seventy five i walked with mr johnson and mr thrale round the great church there and in one of the chapels i observed myself to stumble in an odd manner so as to give me uncommon pain and at the same time to excite strange ideas of terror wholly unaccountable to me who am neither timorous nor over delicate i looked at the altarpiece and saw it was the figure of an angel protecting a boy about twelve years old as it should seem and somehow the child struck me with a resemblance to my own and alarmed me in an unusual manner i prayed for the safety of my young ones and as i came out of the chapel i asked an old man to whom that chapel was dedicated he replied to the guardian angel of children i resolved to walk round the church and go into every chapel in it to see if i should stumble in them i could not stumble however but when i returned with better spirits to the children's chapel i stumbled again and even hurt myself the impression it made alarmed me and as i could not rid myself of the uneasiness it caused i told mr johnson in the afternoon when hester was gone to play with her papa he bid me be careful not to encourage such fancies and talking the thing through cleared my head of it for a time soon after our return from abroad however i was dreadfully alarmed by my son's sudden illness and death and though he continued ill but three hours this old superstition haunted me all the while the more perhaps as i had two days before going down to dinner with company when he was perfectly well at school heard 
something like a preternatural voice that of his guardian angel perhaps call me by my name but this i never mentioned to any one lest i should be suspected of madness but mad i am not i have the best health in the world no indigestion no headaches no vapours no change of weather affects me nor did even the loss of my only son lay stronger hold on my heart than was utterly impossible to avoid my mind is an active whirligig mind which few things can stop to disturb and if disturbed it soon recovers its strength and its activity End quote. with this we may compare the following entry which for the sake of the contrast i have taken a little out of its proper order in thraliana quote, 24th of september 1779 friday i have got a strange fit of the horrors upon me to-day something runs in my head that i shall die or mr thrale shall die and that we shall not as we hoped communicate at god's table next sunday i will say nothing of it for it may end in nothing but i am not used to be low-spirited and it is very odd to be so now for i ail nothing though i tremble with terror just as i was before my son died if nothing does happen i will never mind low spirits again monday the fourth of october seventeen seventy nine nothing happened we did communicate together last sunday sennight and to-morrow we set out for tunbridge wells and brighthamston i must now quote a very remarkable passage in which mrs thrale records in seventeen seventy nine an account of some great passion or scandal in johnson's life to which she makes no further reference in the length and breadth of thraliana quote, it appears to me that no man can live his life quite through without being at some period of it under the dominion of some woman wife mistress or friend pope and swift were softened by the smiles of patty blunt and stella and our own stern philosopher johnson trusted me about the years seventeen sixty seven or seventeen sixty eight i know not which just now with a secret far dearer to him than his life such however is his nobleness and such his partiality that i sincerely believe he has never since that day regretted his confidence or ever looked with less kind affection on her who had him in her power uniformly great is the mind of that incomparable mortal and well does he contradict the maxims of rochefoucault that no man is a hero to his valet de chambre johnson is more a hero to me than to any one and i have him more to him for intimacy than ever was any man's valet de chambre End quote this furnishes a fine problem for the exercise of a constructive imagination the fact that this confidence of johnson's recorded it must be remembered more than ten years after it was given placed him in quote, mrs thrale's power unquote, proves that it was not a mere flirtation or love affair but something of which the sage had reason to be ashamed 
we must remember that more than ten years elapsed between the death of Johnson's wife and his first acquaintance with either Boswell or the Thrales, and that during this period he passed much of his time in deplorable, and apparently inexcusable, laziness, while supposed to be employed in preparing his edition of Shakespeare. Shortly after he became friendly with Mr. and Mrs. Thrale, they found him in a state of despondency and despair that was akin to madness. Still, we do not know the name of the woman under whose dominion Johnson passed, and it is very much to the credit of Mrs. Piozzi that we do not know it. Boswell could not possibly have kept it back. The following passage is interesting as it shows what a real respect she had for her husband as a politician, while having no illusions whatever as to the general character of the Houses of Parliament. The House of Commons at that time was certainly not a collection of ideal men any more than it is today. Let us hope that today there are wives to be found who believe each of them that her own husband is the one honest man in a rotten and accursed assembly. Mrs. Thrale writes, quote, If we have deserved help from heaven, we shall have it. But let us first inquire whether, peradventure, ten righteous men may be found in the Houses of Parliament. When I say ten righteous men, I mean ten men free from the vice of the place. Note, she makes a comparison with Sodom. End note wholly clear from corruption or bias of any kind, or tied by any interest for their own sakes or their friends to any party whatever. It may, for aught I know, be saved for the sake of such ten, but I only know one myself, and that is Mr. Thrale. 5th of July, 1779. I will now present, as Mr. Froman says, a series of extracts which show Mrs. Thrale's variety of subject and variety of tone, though all written with equal sincerity. One, concerning Pacchiarotti, about whom we hear some scandalous tales in the extracts from Thraliana printed by Haywood. Two, about Mrs. Thrale's efforts in the cause of religion. Three, as to a young admirer at Bath, for a comparison between Gray the poet and Sir Joshua Reynolds the painter. 5. Reflections on a curious manuscript of Pope's with moral observations on the amount of artifice in life. Quote. 1. Fanny Burney goes home now to study and live recluse, and, as I tell her, to kiss Pacchiarotti, the castrato singer of whom they're all so fond. Pacchiarotti said one day to me, when I told him my regard was of little value from my ignorance of music, On the contrary, madam, the hard thing is mine. For how shall I reward your propensity to me if not by my talent? Partiality, said I. I beg pardon, madam, propensity. Comical enough. And so was a note of his in answer to an invitation of mine and Miss Burney's for an evening visit. I pity myself, says he, that I cannot pass the whole night between those two ladies, but I will give them what I can. All this with perfect innocence of any meaning whatsoever. 2. 
if one can mend anybody's morals or fix anybody's notions of religion how happy does it make one sure it is not mere vanity in me to fancy that i have helped forward the salvation of my husband mrs byron mrs lambert and sir p j clark my children's souls are in my care and all i can do for them is indispensable duty mr scray's footnote mrs piozzi's trusted friend and business adviser whom she always found worthy of every confidence end footnote is quite unimpressible with any religious notions for i have worked at him but i have often observed business disqualifies a man for heaven more than pleasure does the thorny ground seems to be worse than the stony and the faults which a man applauds in himself he never will be cured of now the pleasure hunter always condemns himself the business hunter quite otherwise three seventeen eighty bath i have picked up an agreeable acquaintance here in lord george clinton second son to the duke of newcastle i thought at first he was in love with hester by his close attention to me but i believe he was only seized with the present rage among young men of following a woman of sense as they phrase it the pretty girls are so empty no society pleases me but a woman of sense a lucky folly at least nor should i call it that but i concluded affectation in this boy however it may be genuine perhaps as he thinks it is Four. Mr. Johnson's criticism of Gray displeases many people. Sir Joshua Reynolds, in particular, he professes the sublime of painting, I think, with the same affectation as Gray does in poetry. Both of them tame quiet characters by nature, but forced into fire by artifice and effort. The time will come when some cool observer will see, or some daring fellow venture to say, of sir joshua's ugolino all that johnson has been telling of gray's bard five tenth of december seventeen eighty we have got a sort of literary curiosity amongst us the foul copy of pope's homer with all his old intended verses sketches emendations etc strange that a man should keep such things Stranger still that a woman should write such a book as this, put down every occurrence of her life, every emotion of her heart, and call it Thraliana forsooth. But then I mean to destroy it. All wood and wire behind the scenes, sure enough. One sees that Pope laboured as hard, quote, as if the stage rate or looked each line, unquote. Indeed and how very little effect those glorious verses at the end of the eighth book of the iliad have upon me when one sees them in all their cradles and clouds and light changed for bright and then the whole altered again and the line must end with night and oh dear thus quote, torturing one poor word a thousand ways unquote. johnson said tis pleasant to see the progress of such a mind true but tis a malicious pleasure such as men feel when they watch a woman at her toilet quote, see by degrees a purer blush arise unquote. 
wood and wire once more wood and wire End quote. the following remarks about edmund burke the sainted burke canonized by lord morley may be read with some surprise and certainly it is rather a shock to hear such startling tales of the comparative sobriety of the gentlemen of wales perhaps however it is wrong to judge the welsh country gentleman by peacock's headlong hall but we cannot dispute that mrs thrale quote, stayed in the house unquote, at beckhamsfield and that burke was irish mrs thrale is composing description and verses for the portraits by sir joshua in the library at streatham and when she comes to burke writes as follows quote, tis now time to turn over a new leaf for the great orator mr edmund burke who after had ran from gentleman's house to gentleman's house all over wales in the year seventeen seventy four was the first man i had ever seen drunk or heard talk obscenely when i lived with him and his lady at beaconsfield among dirt cobwebs pictures and statues that would not have disgraced the city of paris itself where misery and magnificence reign in all their splendour and imperfect amity note irish roman catholics are always like the foreigners somehow dirty and dressy with all their clothes hanging as if upon peg that mrs burke drinks as well as her husband and that their blackamoor carries tea about with a cut finger wrapped in rags must help to apologise for the severity with which i have treated so very distinguished a character End quote. in mrs thrale's welsh diary published by mr broadley in nineteen hundred and nine the remarks on burke are much milder there is much less detail about dress in thraliana than we should naturally expect to find but the following passage shows the natural pleasure felt by mrs thrale at the sensation created by a striking costume and it shows that the lady was before her age in consideration for the press Quote, my name has figured finely in the newspaper on account of my going to court on the birthday in the Owyhee pattern silk. The truth is, I had a mind partly to please the Burneys, whose captain brought me some curiosities from the South Seas and new discovered regions, particularly a scrap of cloth torn from the back of the Indian who killed Captain Cook with his club. This stuff I thought so pretty that I got Carr the Mercer to imitate it in satin and trimmed it with feathered ornaments to keep up the taste of the character still preserving in view the fashion of the times it was violently admired to be sure and celebrated in all the papers of the day which i have a notion was owing to my own willingness to be looked at by the people who sat in the guard-room observing dresses fashions etc my being used to electioneering prevents my indignation from boiling at the sight of a few honest fellows collected together which the tom folks call a mob so i turned to them and smiled and i heard them say tis mrs thrale oh she's a good-natured lady etc and so they put me in the news i guess End quote. several of her friends are going abroad and she makes the following entry 
Quote, I catch myself thinking that if my master was to die and Queenie to marry, I would take my two next girls and give them a little run upon the continent before the time of flirtation should arrive, as schoolgirls are dangerous animals enough at fourteen or fifteen years old. Ignorant of every earthly thing but their lessons, they are a natural prey to all who venture the attack. And the fortune of my monkeys will induce attention, like the white feather in Henri Cat's hat on the day of battle. End quote. Here follows an extract which shows really affectionate feeling, though it is possible that Mrs. Thrale took a pleasure in writing it, for it is very well expressed. Quote, One page more, I see, ends the third volume of Thraliana. Strange farrago as it is of sense, nonsense, public, private follies, but chiefly my own, and I, the little hero, but who should be the hero of an honour? Let me vindicate my own vanity, if it be with my last pen. This volume will be finished at Streatham, and left there. My poor little old aunt at Bath is dying, and I am dolt enough to be sincerely sorry, the more as her past kindnesses claim that personal attendance from me which Mr. Thrale will not permit me to pay her poor little old insipid useless creature may god almighty in his mercy pity receive and bless her as a most inoffensive atom of humanity for whom his only son consented to be crucified and among whose flock she has most innocently fed for sixty or seventy years here closes the third volume streatham monday the twenty ninth of january seventeen eighty one End quote. End of section two.